Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. New Year always holds a whole lot of promise and uh, a lot of opportunity. And it's always good at New Year's to, to take some time and reflect back over the year that was passed um, and the lessons that we've learned and then to move forward. And we're going to be doing that this morning. I've asked a few people to share. Um, but it's always, you know, interesting. I don't know if you've watched it. Like get this time of year, you started getting these lists of the best of and the worst of, you know, the worst, best of 2006, the worst, you know, best book, best movie, whatever it was. And then, of course, there's always, um, with the new year, new laws. And this is kind of my public service announcement for today. If you have not heard, these are new laws that go on the book as of 12.01 this evening, okay? They're actually new California laws. I am not lying. And among the hundreds of new laws that take effect January 1st, the law created by AB 1850 by Assemblyman Dennis Mountjoy now makes a $100 base fine for a violation if anyone is caught riding in the trunk of a car. Okay? That's right. So if you go home tonight, you know, and you know, just don't be riding in the trunk of a car because there's a $100 fine for that. And, by the way, if you let somebody ride in the trunk of your car, it's a $100 fine for you too. Okay? So, you know, when you go home, check the trunk before you go driving out from now on. Um, another one, by the way, if you didn't know this, um, it is now, according to Senate Bill 18606 by Senator Liz Figueroa, it is now, um, it's now illegal to leave an animal unattended inside a car but with, uncondi- with any condition that would endanger itself. And, by the way, I also found out, and this is no lie, it is also now, as of January 1st, is against the law to leave your dog tied up, tethered to a light post or, you know, for, any, for anything more than an hour, okay? So I don't know how they're going to do that. You know, if somebody's going to come along, the police are going to chalk the paw on the dog. I don't know. <laughs> but it's a new law. Um, also, beginning in January 1st, it's also a misdemeanor now to fire a BB gun in a grossly negligent, negligent manner. So in your partying tonight, you know, don't fire any BB guns negligently. And also, another one, free newspapers. Anyone who takes more than 25 copies of a free newspaper for any purpose other than to read them will be subject to a fine of $250. Yeah. It's right there in the newspaper. So just so you're warned now, these are some of the new laws. They're taking effect uh, in about 11 and a half hours. So be warned. You know, I don't want anybody coming say, you know what? Got a ticket because my dog got pawed marked. You know, I don't know. Um... But it is a great time of year, and it is a, a time of year for reflecting and remembering and learning and then moving forward. And I've asked three people who are part of our church family to share this morning some of their experiences from the past year and um, just God's faithfulness and um, God's provision and, and also lessons that they've learned and things that they've, they've taken home from that. So um, we used to do this. We used to kind of have an open mic, but it just kind of started to get out of hand. So we, uh, we handpicked three people um, and I know there's lots of stories that people could tell, but this morning we're going to start um, with uh, Victoria Dodd, and then after her, her Nathaniel Maxwell, and following her, uh, following him will be uh, Deborah Trezza. So first, Vicky, would you come on up? Welcome her, please. First of all, 
And I said it first service. It's a lot easier the second service than the first service. But thank you, Ken, for awesome year of, of reflecting back in, in all of your services. Jeff, uh, Johnny, Brian, all you guys, Jennifer, that worked so hard to bring us these uh, sermons on, on uh, Sunday morning. It's not easy, let me tell you. It's not easy. Okay, Joyce Myers. It's like a little Joyce Myers. Go- I can't wait because this is my big moment. I can, like, talk to you guys. I get to be Joyce Myers. <laughs> when Ken called me this week and asked me to reflect on this past year, I jumped at the chance because, you know, I like to talk. But God's been a real presence in my life this last year, and so I wanted you to all understand and, and know what I've gone through and how awesome he's been in my life and the mercy and grace he's given me this past year in our family. Um, I didn't say it first service, but John, thank you for everything. He's been such a... I uh, thought I was going to get through this without crying. Anyway, he's been so stalwart for me. I mean, he has been here, and he's in the back, and he has to listen to all my gripes and aches and pains and hurts, and I just want to thank him publicly for that. It's awesome. Last Christmas, <clears throat> excuse me, I had my left knee replaced due to unbearable pain while walking. And I've lectured all of you all year, have your knees done. Well, it's not easy. (laughs) Anyway, I got my house done, and uh, I got all my Christmas shopping, my gifts wrapped, tree done, and I sat back, had the surgery, and then I recuperated. And it was beautiful. I laid in my little bed downstairs, and my family came around, and my church family came around and brought meals and prayers and talked to me. I mean, ooh, uh, Becky Cosimides, uh tamale soup, or tortilla soup. That got me through. Whew, that was gorgeous. And everybody else, I thank you again for the meals and, and all the love that you gave me last year. Um, I had lots of Hallmark moments with my church family. Uh, they were cooking for me and visiting me and calling me. I said countless prayers of healing and praise to God, and I advised everyone to have their knees done. Right, Rick? I was on Rick's case all the time. <laughs> um, and I expected discomfort, but when I started to experience chest heaviness and headaches and muscle aches, I just chalked it up to the recovery from the surgery. But last spring, um, the pain and discomfort caused me to think that I might have a hyenal hernia going. My doctor had mentioned to me that he thought I might have one, and so they were going to keep an eye. And even two days before my event, as they call it, happened, they had been running tests on me and said everything was fine, so they were just going to keep an eye on me. The weekend of June 17th, I began to experience severe heaviness in my chest and back. And on Friday, we went out to, to dinner and walked around Todos Santos Plaza and listening to jazz with my sister and her husband. And I, at the time, suffered a mild heart attack and didn't realize it. Um, just kind of feels like you took menthol and you like this, and then it's real cold and heavy and hurting. And so I didn't recognize it as a heart attack, and I thought I was experiencing, experiencing symptoms of indigestion, acid reflux, or the hyenal hernia. On Saturday, June 17th, I did the flowers for a wedding in Lafayette. The bride was the daughter of my husband's friend and a former police colleague. And so I felt sort of compelled to have to do this, even though I wasn't feeling really great. And while I was decorating the cake with flowers at the reception, I experienced another heart attack. I guess I was holding my chest, and I'm going, but I was doing the cake, you know. I'm doing what I was supposed to be doing here, you know. And uh, I wanted to complete the floral decorations. <laughs> That's important. You don't want to tell a bride on the day of her wedding I can't do something. So you have Bridezilla on your hand. <laughs> so uh, anyway, John wanted to take me to the hospital, but the symptoms kind of subsided. So we went out to dinner, and then we went home. 
And so we was laying on the couch, we were watching a movie, and uh, it was Tom Cruise. Oh, it was the last samurai, so I wasn't going to like get up and go to the hospital. <laughs> not with Tom on. So um, I was experiencing another heart attack, did not realize it. And uh, women's symptoms, and I can't stress this enough, women's symptoms differ so greatly from men's symptoms. And just be aware of that, ladies. Um, one thing that I had, and I didn't mention it first, uh, service, but when they tell you have a cholesterol count of 327, listen. I just went, eh, okay, so my count's 327, big deal. And when they tell you you're overweight, listen, because those are symptoms that are not very kind towards women. So, um, and that means diet change. It really does. I thought I was doing everything right, but I wasn't, obviously. I had some more severe chest pains, excuse me, and I laid on the couch in our family room discussing with my husband whether I should go to Kaiser on a busy Saturday night. And if any of you know what Kaiser is like on a Saturday night, you know you don't want to go. So I was just laying there, and the pain would subside. It'd go away, and it'd come back. And I wasn't going to leave Tom without my watching him, so I finally just said, eh, let's just go to bed. So I slept too well that night. I didn't have any dreams. I didn't have any potty breaks or get up with the dogs or anything like that. And I actually realized later and was told later that I was dying that night, that I was lucky that I woke up. On Sunday morning, Father's Day, June 18th, I awoke and my husband asked me, he said, how are you feeling this morning? I went, great. And I leaned over and that's when it hit me full force. My chest locked, my jaw locked. That was very scary. When your jaw locks, I mean, it locks like you've heard of locked jaw. It just absolutely locks on you. You can't do anything. And I started drooling and couldn't talk. So he ran me to the emergency room and uh, they stabilized me and... Uh, <laughs> we sat there, and, and John had gone on the Internet the night before, and he had looked up hyenal hernia, and he had printed it out so that he could tell the doctor what was wrong with me. <laughs> so the doctor's looking at me, and he's doing all the testing, and John's going, hyenal hernia, hyenal hernia. You know? So when, he, when the doctor said, no, she's having a heart attack, we looked at each other. I looked at him, he looked at me, and we both turned to the doctor and went, you've got to be kidding, because neither one of us expected that. Well, they stabilized me, and um, Tuesday morning they took me to San Francisco Kaiser. I had surgery that afternoon, and I had three stints inserted in my left coronary artery. While having the surgery, I suffered another heart attack on the table, and then the pain was intolerable. They, I don't want to scare you, but they don't knock you out for this surgery. They don't put you under. You know, they give you a little localized uh, when they're going to do the injection to put the tube through, and that's it. A little lanocaine, and that's it. And so that wasn't fun. And uh, they want you conscious so you can kind of breathe and tell them how things are going. So when I got back to my room, John and I were talking, when I was suddenly, literally melting. I have never experienced anything like that in my life. It felt like a candle was on my face and that it was melting down. Um, the doctors recognized that I was hemorrhaging and they told John to leave the room. And I'll, I got through the first one without crying. I'm not gonna cry now. <clears throat> because I remember his face as they told him to leave the room, and I caught his eye as he went out, and uh, I thought, this is it. This is it, honey, and uh, that's not a fun feeling. I will never forget his face, and all I could hear was, we're losing her, she's crashing, but I remember saying, it's okay, God is with me, and then I went into darkness. I awoke in ICU. I thought it was heaven. <laughs> I woke up, and it was all white, you know, <laughs> and uh, there was a nice, beautiful little blonde nurse next to me, and I thought, this is what it's like. Whoa. Well, 
No, I was still in pain. <laughs> I had excruciating pain, and the doctor informed me that I had to undergo the surgery again because one of the stents had failed on me. I told him, no, no, I'm, I'm not going through that same scenario again. Uh-uh. And so I started praying hard all night. I negotiated, and Ken says, um, Vic, you don't negotiate with God. <laughs> I negotiated, you know. I really did. I said, if you'll do this, I'll do that, and, and you know. And uh, I pleaded with him to take the pain away. I did not want that surgery again. Um, I finally pleaded for him to take me. I wanted to go at that point. And uh, I heard in a very audible voice, and I know this is hard for a lot of people to understand, but I heard him. I heard him very, very clearly tell me, teach, teach, teach. And for four hours that I negotiated, pleaded, and whatnot, he said, teach, teach. And I knew he was by my side and that he was holding me at that point. I called the nurse over to say that I would have the surgery again. And they took me back right away. And they inserted uh, another uh, shunt for the angioplasty on my other side. And they repaired the collapsed stent and they put another stent in. So they had a total of four. And I didn't feel a thing on this one. Not a thing. I was up and I was walking soon after and I was home in one more day. So through all of this, God has been by my side as I reach out to others. I have no qualms about approaching people everywhere I go because he gives me the strength and the words. I'm not eloquent, but I am sincere. I really do mean it when I talk to you. And he has shown me grace and mercy. I know that prayer works. I know it. Talking to God one-on-one -on -one works. I talk to him all day. I talk to him every day for everything. I talked to our church group on Wednesday night, our Bible study group, and we have a little afterwards prayer um, requests. And I always ask them to be prayer warriors. Don't just say prayers, but really say prayers, because he really, really listens. When you're sincere and you're talking to him, and he knows you're sincere and you want this prayer answered, you may not get it. It's going to be his will, but he's going to hear you, and that's what's really important. Um, open your hearts to let him in. Listen for him and be ready when he answers you. Um, there's still days when I have bad days, when I'm scared and I'm hurting. I take a lot of meds. But I'm right with God, and as long as he wants to keep using me, I'm going to listen. And that's the end of my notes. And now I'm just going to talk. Oh, sorry. That, I'm just going to talk to you for just a minute because I have to tell you, but I look out here and I see my prayer family, um, Terry and Carol and Bud, Paul and Roy, and my little Sam and Chris and McKenna, and just all of Rob and, and uh, Mark Shepard and all, John Silvera, Silvera, all you people that are my brothers and sisters in Christ that we share every Wednesday night, you don't know what that means to me. Because I've shared my story. I mean, they've heard this story a hundred times. Ken and Connie Crobs, I mean... It's amazing. Um, they listen, and then we in turn listen to them. And I've become mama, and I'm sister, and they're my brothers and sisters and my children. And my own son, a couple of years ago, I mean, you've heard Kevin's testimony. A couple of years ago, um, Kevin wasn't in the place he is now. And uh, through coming to church every Sunday, he rarely misses, he's been graced by God with a new job. He has a wonderful girlfriend. He has a son back in his life. He has a pretty good life going now after all these years. And I know that when I leave here, there's a heaven. 
there's God up there. There's no question in my mind. There's God up there. He's going to be there with me as I pray that my other sons will be and their wives and my grandchildren. I know my husband's going to be with me. I know all my brothers and sisters here are going to be with me. And I pray as I look around that all of you are, are with me too. I want to go up and say, ha it was right, it was true. See, you're here. You're here with me. And when I give you those hugs out at the front door, I mean every one of those hugs. I'm not just saying, hey, give me a hug and go on into church. I'm loving you. I'm putting God that is through me into you. That's the way I feel about it. Every one of those hugs is very, very sincere, well-meant, and I hope that you will hug me back and know that I love all of you and I want you in heaven with me. So keep God in your hearts. Listen to him when those voices come. It's not always an audible voice. Sometimes you will hear a real audible voice. Sometimes it's just in here, and sometimes it's just in here. But he's talking to you. He really is talking to you at that point. Don't slough it off and say, ah, it's all in my mind or it's in my heart or I'm just thinking this is the way it is. He is saying something to you at that point. Take his words and run with them and let go and let God do his work. Thanks. Okay. Oh, man, bigger crowd than uh, earlier. Okay. Um, well, my story is not as traumatic. It's not, uh, if you guys like ER, it's not like that. So <laughs> just prepping you guys. Um, I, I could say uh, I've been a Christian my whole life. So I've, but realistically in the last probably four or five years, I've really stepped up and just got involved, got baptized, uh, started working with the youth ministry. Um, so I'm, I'm actually one of the active leaders with uh, youth ministry here at Young Life with a, with a high school group and uh, the middle school group. Um, I've kind of noticed the steps of faith as, as you develop your, I guess, relationship with Christ. You know, it's like you seek him at first, then you hear voices and, and people and hints all around you, and then you find him, and then you, you initiate to the world that you're walking with him, and then you walk with him, and, and then he puts things in your way. So that, I guess, to build you, to make you a stronger Christian, to make you believe and walk stronger in faith. And uh, just, I guess that's all part of just walking with Christ. Um, this last year, 2006, has been pretty, uh, pretty crazy. Um, I've been feeling the real, real effects of financial pressure. Um, I live, I've been living on my own for about two years now. And uh, just this last year has been really, really hard to deal with. Um, in October, or January of 05, actually signed a car note for a friend of mine because uh, he needed my excellent credit that I've, building, I've been building up since I was 16 to, uh, to help him out with the car. So, I, you know, I'm a nice guy. I'll help him out. He'll, uh, you know, he'll return the favor in the future and help me. He gave me some money up front. So, you know, I, I thought that was great. Well, about October of 05, he decided to up and leave and move to uh, Chicago. And left me with the car with lots of damage on the car and my immediate reaction was like okay well you know just make the payments from Chicago well that's not realistic he never did and so by about May of this year 06 I'd been making all the payments on the car no problem uh, everything was okay and I finally just 
uh, kind of got to the point where I couldn't, I couldn't handle it no more. I was making a payment for somebody else, and I was incurring a lot of debt because of that, because I was extending my, myself to, to make this payment. And um, I, I couldn't handle it. Like I, I, it, was, it was a lot of stress to deal with, but you know, I was coping with it. The Lord was helping me, and I was just like, you know, just keep guiding me through this. And I finally got to the point where I was just really frustrated. Um, some of the other things that were, that were adding up is uh, I, I went through a breakup in, in 2000, late 2005, with an ex-girlfriend of four years uh, over religion. Uh, we had different religious differences, and uh, you know, we were talking about marriage, and that it played a big factor into our relationship, and I couldn't, I couldn't go through with it. And that, that was probably the hardest thing I've ever done in my life, was releasing that, you know, that relationship and that friendship you know, for, for the Lord. And um, also I had a, a large, a large investment, uh, investment in my savings that just, uh, at about the same time where I got really tired of this, the car payment and everything, it went sour real fast. And uh, if anybody follows the market, you know the, the market dropped in May of last year, of this 2006. So that was a real, real big, real big uh, psychological event for me to, to just deal with the loss and dealing with the car payment and, and trying to get over this, this ex-girlfriend. And uh, ministry was coming to an end with Young Life and Middle Mania. Uh, we, were, we were coming to a slowdown to the end of the year. And, uh, and then on top of all that, my cat ran away. So, <laughs> and I know a lot of people are like, ah, I hate cats, I can't stand them. But, you know, I, when I got that cat, I was in middle school. So to me, it's like the cat's been with me, moved out with me and like sleeps in my bed all the time. So it's kind of like my little, my little buddy that, that, you know, has been through everything with me. And whenever I'm like, in my, whenever I'm like crying or have something I'm really on my mind and I'm speaking with the Lord, she's right there. She, she can feel my pain for some reason. So it's kind of weird, but, uh, but just deal with it. <laughs> so um, I had a real hard time focusing on the Lord. And uh, just, I couldn't, I was, I was, with all that combined, I was, I was really under a lot of stress. And uh, I finally got to the point where I said, you know what, I'm, I'm done. I don't, I was, I was kind of mad at the Lord for allowing this to happen. You know, I've, I've been a pretty good person. I've, you know, I'm trying to do everything the right way. And, you know, I'm like, why is this happening to me? And I'm like, you know, like, it just, I got to the point where I was like, I couldn't handle it. And I said, you know what? Uh, I said, Lord, I, I prayed. I remember one night, I, I finally came to the conclusion that I'm not going to make the payment on the car. Let the, let the credit union take the car, ruin my credit. I don't care. I'm done. I can't. It's, I, I said, you know, nothing on this earth is, is that much to stress you out, to make you feel that, you know, to, to be, be pressured. I mean, I realized that I'll be up there in, in, when I'm dead, and this is all temporary. Nothing here should even matter. You shouldn't stress about anything. You shouldn't let anything affect how you are because you got the Lord. And, and I said, you know what? Why am I not following that? Why am I not? So I, I finally, I remember just laying in bed, and I was tearing up, and I was frustrated, and I was mad, and I didn't know where to turn. And, and I, just, I just sat there, and I, I talked to the Lord. and I said, you know, I'm not, I'm not making this payment, and I don't care what happens to my credit. I said, I've worked really hard for my credit, and, and I hope that, you know, something happens, but I'm putting this all in your hands, Lord, and I don't, I don't care anymore. I said, I, there's nothing I can do, and I trust that you'll take care of me no matter what, whether my credit goes bad or, or you know, with, with all the other stuff. And I said, I'm, I don't care. I'm not doing it no more. I'm not, you know, I just said, let, let it go. And so uh, that, really, that really made me focus on 2 Corinthians 5, 7, where it says, I walk by faith, not by sight. And, and that, was, that was the first moment where, I've been put under the test to just say, you know what, I'm just going to keep walking. I'm going to keep going, and I don't care what happens. 
And uh, it's kind of funny because right the, the following couple days, my dad says, hey, are you aware that your, your sister's moving back down from, from Washington? I was like, hey, so what? I don't care. You know? <laughs> you know? And uh, me and her have been kind of, you know, our, our relationship's been up and down. It's really good now. But um, that, it didn't really dawn on me. And then, you know, when she got down here, she said, you know, I'm looking for a car. You know, I'm looking for... I'm looking for a car to, to drive, you know, and it's like, well, I got a car that I'm making payments for that I don't really have the money for, and I'm not, and so I actually worked something out, and she, she took over the payments of the car, which is, to me, is a blessing from the Lord, because I, I completely, it was the last month where I said, no, no more, you know, and then uh, due to all the, the, the losses I took in 2005, I had a pretty good tax return, so, which I didn't file till about June, <laughs> so uh, I got a pretty good tax return, which was, was really great, and uh during all that, um, there's one person that, that, you know, when I, I'd stay out late with my friends and, and I just was like, I'm not going to church tomorrow. It's Saturday night. I'm hanging out with my friends. I don't really care. I'm frustrated with the Lord. And there's one person that I remember one morning I woke up and I was just like, I was laying there with my friend. My friend's on, he's laying on the floor. We're, we're both passed out from playing video games all night. And, you know, and all of a sudden, like I hear this knock at the door and I'm like, I'll go, I go up and lock the door. I didn't even open the door. I just unlocked it. And she comes in, Bree, and uh, and she came in and she goes, "Get up!" I'm like, I look over at the clock. I'm like, "It's eleven o'clock." She goes, "Get up! We're going to church." I'm like, "No, we're not. You're going to church. I'm sleeping." She goes, "No, get up!" Rips the blankets off of me, and I'm like, oh, "Fine." Since you took us all this time to come over here and get me, I said, "I said we're late. We're not. I can't go to church late." She goes, "Better late than never." I'm like, "Fine." Get up. I'll go get my stuff on. So she, but due to her persistence, she kept me really in line, which is I'm really thankful for because I was at a really crucial point where I was having a hard time dealing with, with just everything. And the last, the last place I wanted to be was at church stressing about this stuff, and even though I needed it. And so that was really, really good blessing. Uh, right after that, my cat came back, like, <laughs> which was, yeah. Which was really good. So I was just kind of like, you know, I heard God saying, hey, you know, where's your, where's your faith? Come on. I, I, I got you covered. I'm not going to let this happen. You know, I'm not going to let you go out and get, get so crazy. So um, after all the dust of that settled, uh, about June, I, took, uh, I went on a mission trip to, uh, to Mexico. And that was probably the most enlightening thing I've ever done in my life as far as just, just changing my perspective on life. And uh, going there, I, I, I realized, you know, I learned that nothing is better. I mean, they have nothing down there, and they are so happy. They, the, the kids down there, are just, they're just in love with Jesus, and they love everything. Everything makes them happy, and there's nothing that's, you know, no materialism, no phones, no high-technology iPods and, and stuff like that. There's, you know, they don't, they don't live off of that like, like we do, which is it's amazing. Like, and they're happier than all of us up here, which is just, it's, it's great. You know, and it's the Lord is really living through their lives. And, um, I just remember being down there looking, looking at the stars at like 11 o'clock at night, they shut the generators down. So there's no, no power within miles and miles everywhere in every direction. So you're like, you're sitting there and you're, you're looking at the stars in the sky and everything's just blank and it's, it's peaceful and quiet. Everybody's asleep. And, you know, it's, I've never heard God speak more to me that, at that point than, than any other point in my life. It's just like, you know, it's like, just let go of everything. Just let everything go and just focus on me. And it was, it was the most wonderful thing. And I, I would recommend if anybody's ever having questions about going on a mission trip, 
Um, I know we're going to be probably going back down June or July again this year, but I would highly recommend to, to go definitely go and serve down there and just just for yourself. It'll, it'll open your eyes and it'll enlighten your mind so much and you'll hear the voice of the Lord so so clear, you know. And um, So um, uh, after that, I came back and we, our youth ministry started up again um, and we started rocking and rolling, really getting going with that. Uh, we had to deal with the challenges of you know, move into a smaller, uh, a smaller room for the kids where the kids are used to coming into the, the sanctuary, and we compress them all into the, the, the portables now, which is great, and I love it. And so it's a big challenge for them to get used to it. But, uh, and on top of that, we got, um, we got Johnny switched over. So we got Johnny's our new, new youth pastor, which is, which is incredible. He's doing a great job. And uh, so, but for the kids, it's been, a, it's been a kind of, kind of a change. And, uh, I think one of the lessons I've learned with, with teaching our youth is just how to be how to be not like how to talk to the kids and relate to them. I'm sure you guys all as parents know that how to relate to them and not not sound up. You know, I don't want to sound like a parent because I'm supposed to be their peers, kind of getting you know closer connection to them without offending them. You know, and and so uh, it, it's really good to, to see that some of the kids actually really listen. They really take to heart what you what you say and some of the things that we we express to them and just to be able to reach them. So, um, but through that, um, overall 2006 has been, has been pretty crazy. It's been a lot of ups and downs for me. And, uh, and I just learned really to walk by faith, you know, not, not on what you can see and just keep walking. And, uh, with that, you know, all the lessons I've learned, I think 2007, no matter the highs or the lows, this is going to be a great year. And I, I'm ready to accept the challenges that await. So, people here. <laughs> Hi. Uh, I also had a health issue in September. I had a very mild heart attack. And I didn't have symptoms as uh, my friend Vicky did. It started out like any other Saturday at work. And by 10 o'clock, I was clutching my chest and on my way to the hospital. And I can't speak for others, but as for myself, my first thought was, what, are you kidding me? I'm 47 years old. This is, this is so wrong. <laughs> you know? And then you turn to the people that you love, and my first thought was about my children. And I started praying for my daughter. Please, God, don't let her end up with that loser she thinks is the one. Because <laughs> you know? he's not the one. You know? and, and for my son, Rick, who's a fireman, you know, I don't want him going and burning buildings. Can't he watch the fire hose? Somebody's got to watch the hose. And you, know, you, you, you pray for the people that you love. And I got very nervous, and it was such a horrible moment for me when I realized I grew up in a family of atheists. The only other person who has religion in my family is my grandmother who taught me religion. And I was afraid I was never going to see my family again, that their hearts would become hard and I, I wouldn't see them again. And that was so frightening. I wasn't worried about dying because I knew I was going to a better place. I never had a doubt about that. But to think that I was never going to see the people that I loved again was just, it, it was monumental. And I fought with them about this, and I've argued with them about this, and, you know, there's just, their minds are made up. But I realized that I didn't have to worry that God wasn't going to give up on them, whether I was here or not, and that people would pray for them. And I was hoping that one day they'd know it's such a simple thing to just hit a knee and ask God to be your Savior, and that they'd be forgiven like I was forgiven. 
So I was okay with that. I, I knew that was going to happen, so I wasn't so afraid for them anymore. And I must have got really quiet then because Luke, the gentleman who took me, started shaking me and telling me to say something, anything. So I did. I said, drive faster. <laughs> and it, and it, we got there. And um, some of you know that I'm very happily married. And you must wonder why I didn't mention my husband, Jeff, before. And I started to wonder that myself. And I felt a little guilty. And then I realized I didn't have to worry about him because his faith is as strong as mine. He knew I would be going to a better place. And if he needed closure or a shoulder to cry on or someone to speak with, he had his sister and her family, his mom, you guys, and my small group who has been, I can't tell you what they've been to me. They would never allow him to grieve alone. So God whispered, eh, not to worry about Jeff, you know, that he was going to be okay. I must have passed out then. Because when I woke up again, I knew I wasn't in heaven. Because the charmer that I was, I was screaming, get off me. <laughs> you know? so, but I would like to take a minute to say that being a member of this Northgate and, and being part of this family is and was, is, it's an awesome experience. When I was sick, you guys, you came over, you dropped off food for my family. Not looking, half the time I didn't even see you guys. I was in bed, sleeping, recovering. And not looking for gratitude or thank you or, or for me to notice you did it because you wanted to. And it, those little things meant so much to me. And I was so afraid to come up here and speak publicly. And a young woman in my group told me, if you have a chance to talk about God and how he affected your life, what's better? And I want to thank Marianne for that because she was so right. And when I did call up and I said, Vicki, you don't have to send food to me anymore. You know, I'm feeling a little better. My husband's going to cook. My family was mad at me. I want you to know. <laughs> but, you know, I buckled down and I did it. But my walk with God it wasn't always as confident as it is today. And the turning point for me came in my eighth month of pregnancy. I lost a little boy. And death I can understand. But to take mine was inexcusable. I became this vile, bitter I was evil, and my grandmother was trying to talk to me and help me through it, and I shut her down, and I, I'm ashamed of myself. I told her, stop telling me stories about a phantom God. Can't you see I need to make peace with this? And she told me, yes, you do. And you will never know, t know peace, Miss Debbie, until you know where to look for it. And then she did a funny thing. She took me in a wheelchair to the nursery, and she showed me... Babies that were on heart machines and kidneys and incubators and their parents who didn't know what was going to happen from one moment to the next. And I started thinking about the daughter I had home, and she was warm and good, and I could still go hold her. And I realized I was so selfish and, and, and so evil and so in my own bitterness that I asked God to be my Savior. and to, It was because of him that I hurt so much because I knew how to love so much. So I hurt because I lost my son. I hurt all the time but it's okay I'll be grateful for it because I can love and feel so much because of what he gave me because he died on the cross for me so it's okay and because of that I became a foster parent and I had a lot of good experiences and my husband the first time he came to my house to pick me up I had five kids running around with whistles and he came back so that that's, that's pretty amazing that he came back so I want to say that this health issue brought me closer to God. It renewed my strength. It told me that I have so much more to learn and that I, I know nothing, actually. And it restored my faith. And the experience left me wanting to grow even closer to him and to do more for others so they know what I know. 
So I'm humbled to start this new year and happy that I'm never going to walk alone. Thank you. Let's stand together. Psalm 145 says, One generation will commend your works to another. They will tell of your mighty acts. There's something that happens when we share our stories. We're reminded of God's faithfulness. And you've just heard three stories this morning. And if we had the time, we could go around this room and there would be story after story after story. And some of you, the story's not over. You know, you're in the middle of something and, you know, one calendar day doesn't seem to be able to make a difference. But I hope what you've heard this morning has reminded you you're not alone. You have a loving Heavenly Father who, as we just celebrated at Christmas time, sent His Son to give you a new life that He would live with you, in you, by His Spirit. And that you have a church family, a group of people who are just like you, going through this process called life, learning one step at a time what it means to walk by faith. That's a gift from God. So as we close our time together this morning, just make it a point to sometime during this day, before the day ends, to take some time to reflect on this past year in your own life, to remember God's faithfulness to you. Take some time and give Him thanks. Lord Jesus, we are so blessed to be called your children. To have such a relationship with you that we can call on you at any moment, in any situation, to know that you are right there. And we are blessed to have a family, an extended church family, where we can learn and grow and laugh and cry together. And it's all because of your grace. And so as we bring it to a close this last year, with all of its ups and downs, its joys, celebrations, and its disappointments. And as we look forward to a year ahead that we have no idea how it's going to turn out, we are confident that we are in your hands. And that's a good place to be. And we will learn to trust you and rely on you for everything. Teach us and lead us, we pray, in 2007. For it's in Jesus' name that we ask you. Let me wish you all a very, very happy new year. And whatever you do, don't let anybody write in your trunk. All right? Go in God's grace. We'll see you next weekend. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California. 